Hello and welcome to the Blitz Business Development Show. My name is Mayo Best and I'm a business consultant and coach as well as the founder of the Blitz Business Development Academy. This is a show that provides guidance, resources, and access to best practices to help you advertise, manage, and build geometric profits. From freelancers and home-based business owners to startups and storefronts, you will learn how to start small as you think and grow big. Hello, folks, and welcome to the Blitz Business Development Show. I'm your host, Mayo Best, and today we are going to be discussing failure. Yes, failure. And in a few moments, I will give the topic, but this is something that I'm quite sure can be very helpful to a lot of you on your journeys. You know, I think that failure really honestly needs a makeover as a concept as a definition, and more importantly for entrepreneurs, and honestly, this really can apply to anyone trying to accomplish anything. And if I had to actually tell you guys what my secret weapon has been in terms of going from absolute consistent failure and the Pareto principle pretty much working, you know, to my demise (laughs) more so as a business owner as opposed to working more to my favor um getting that shift to take place that paradigm shift it's going to come down to how i learn to hack failure okay so that brings us to the topic of discussion today which is the top 10 failure hacks to guarantee your success in business. Now, folks, if you apply, if you are master, if you will master what it is that I am trying to teach you guys in this episode, and of course, it won't happen overnight, but if you apply these principles that I'm going to teach you, these top 10 things to think about, then your chances of succeeding are going to skyrocket. And you will be guaranteed to succeed no matter what you do, what your business is, and what problem comes at you. So, with that said, today we're going to do just sort of a kind of workshop here, okay? It's going to be a little bit of a different show than some of our other shows that we've been doing recently. But every so often, I like to actually chime in, guys, and just kind of go back to the things that we did in season one where it was just you and I, and I'm just teaching you guys. But I want to do that this time because, you know, I really do pay attention quite a bit to what is happening to business owners out here in the uh, real world, (laughs) especially small business owners. And there are a lot of mistakes that I see folks that are making um, that are quite avoidable. But a a lot of it has to do with not really honestly going into business and knowing the basics um, and getting like shiny object syndrome and thinking that sometimes, you know, that the technology and the tools, the softwares and all the gadgets and stuff that you can use for a business can replace the actual acumen that you must develop that's based off of skill sets and based off of, you know, time-tested old principles like market research and you know this is come to me because i just 
have almost finished a workshop to where, you know, I'm teaching some folks now, you know, how to actually go about doing their market research, how to look at it and how that ties in, believe it or not, to your branding, you know, and in order to really give good customer service, you have to really have an idea as to who your customers actually even are and more importantly who you are as a company now that's beyond the scope of this episode however um i want to get back to this concept of failure because a lot of times because we don't know some of the things i just discussed like really how to do market research we can start failing (laughs) in business very quickly actually so Before you even get there, let's say you don't know anything about market research, right? The way that you think in business and you're, I'll start with really, in fact, I want to get ahead of myself here, but the very first thing you need to do, right? Is I want you to think about right now, how do you define failure for for yourself? Um, And how do you define success? Okay, now your definition, okay, the way that you define failure will define your success. Okay, and that's number one of the top 10 failure hacks is to really take a look at how you are defining failure. Because this is so important because this is really your baseline. Your baseline for success starts with your definition of failure. And a lot of you have very, very (laughs) limited scoped definitions of failure. And typically, a lot of times, most folks who don't know any better, and that might even be you, will define success in business solely based off of monetary terms or monetary objectives. I should say monetary objectives, like say you're making money or you're not. If you're not making money, you're failing. That couldn't be further from the truth. You must understand that making money in business (laughs) is not necessarily a sign of success, or you can say that it can be a metric by which you do define your success, but by far, it should not be the only metric. And let me tell you why. Because if you define your success solely based off of rather not you're making money, that is so limited. And the problem with that is, is that you must understand that profits and revenue are only a byproduct of getting a whole lot of other things right first. So because there's multiple um, milestones that need to be hit and understood before you actually make a profit or start making money, period, even if it's not profit, it's just simply revenue, you absolutely have to go through that learning curve of figuring out how to get the byproduct of success. So it's actually kind of silly if you think about it to only define your success based off of the metric of a profit or a revenue or making money, okay? 
because there's so much stuff that you have to learn, so many skills you have to get right <laughs> before this really happens. And to the degree that honestly, in a lot of cases, you may be making revenue, but making no profit at all. So what does that mean? You know, outside looking in, a lot of folks will basically, you know, tell you that you're not successful because you're not making any money. And again, they just simply don't know any better. They don't have any understanding. But here's the real problem. The problem begins if you start defining your success based off of their perspective, okay? Because you may go a full year and not make any money. That could definitely happen. <laughs> it's actually happened to me for longer than that. <laughs> so, you know, I have to say that part of what helped me to go through my paradigm shift was honestly failing so much that I had to take a look at, well, am I really honestly failing? Because some things I was getting better at, right? But it still was not equating to success. And all that simply meant, I'll say, it wasn't equating to financial success. And I'll say that that's largely due in part to there were so many other lessons I hadn't learned yet. But there were things that incrementally were getting better. You see... And that's just it, guys. If you're constantly getting better and you're constantly figuring it out one piece at a time, one piece at a time, eventually your byproduct will be what you want it to be. Okay. And if we're talking about profits, you will get there. However, you must be careful what your definition is. So now we're going to go into some very powerful components for you to consider in order to make this possible for you. So we're going to dig deep into failure today. So let's go into number two. The second thing you're going to want to definitely be extremely conscious of is your attitude. You know, we've heard little quotes like your attitude determines your altitude and stuff like that. And I could not agree more. Your attitude towards your own success or failure or how you can go about approaching it, the frameworks that you use, it will make or break you, okay? So let me tell you what doesn't help, okay? One of the first things that doesn't help is negativity. Negativity is going to basically be the poison to your mind, to your mindset, to the way that you go about doing anything in business that's going to kill anything or any chance you have of actually coming out of failure and transitioning into success. And the reason why is because it's as simple as this. In business, you have problems, right? And if you don't solve a problem, you really don't have a business, right? But here's the thing. Problem solving requires creativity. Now, I'm not saying that's the only thing it requires. You got critical thinking and reasoning skills and stuff like that. But really what I'm getting into is this, is that it requires creativity. And with any problem that's presented to you, you're going to go in one or two directions. You're either going to use 
the energy that it takes to solve a problem in a way that's going to work for you and actually help you solve it, or you're going to work against yourself and come up with more reasons as to why it won't work. Okay, so creativity and that creative energy is going to be used in a direction that serves you or that doesn't serve you. So your creativity can work for you or against you. Okay, for in other words, all right. So you want to have the right attitude so that when you have a problem or you have a challenge, okay, that you use your creativity for your good. Right. I've seen people where you can give them several solutions to a problem and then they'll give you a problem for every solution that you give them. That is the quintessential definition of someone using their creativity against themselves because they'll find more ways as to why the solution won't work. As opposed to taking the solution that's been given, especially if they didn't think of it, and then saying, okay, well, let's use that as a starting point and see what happens once we actually, you know, implement the solution that you just proposed. And though this is not really on my list, I am going to say this because I think this matters. Keeping an open mind, which I think is a little bit associated with attitude, an open mind, uh, open mind and being flexible in your thinking. Because a lot of times we get really rigid in terms of how we want to solve a problem. And we can only see solving the problem sometimes the way that we can originally imagine it to be solved. And if we get information, okay, or we get an idea that comes from someplace left, left could mean it, it comes from another person. We, for whatever reason, maybe it's ego, maybe it's because we just can't see how it could work that way, or limitations, you know, our own limitations that we place over sometimes solutions without giving them a chance to see what will happen, whether or not they'll work or they'll fail, okay? Um, That will cause us again to not be able to solve problems so your attitude your ego checking your ego at the door when it comes time to deal with problems or challenges is extremely important okay what you want to go for here folks in terms of attitude is being results driven all right you want to be results driven and this is another thing i'm going to add in here too is you want to, as much as you possibly can, detach yourself personally from the outcome. Okay? So this detachment means leaving your ego, you know, <laughs> leaving the fact that you've been spending hours on something. Leave it aside. Because honestly, it doesn't help. And it's not going to get you any closer to the solutions that you're looking for by having that type of an attitude where you're always counting the cost of what it's taking you to actually come about a solution. So attitude is extremely important and foundational to everything else that I'm going to be talking about for the rest of this episode. All right. That leads us to the third thing here, which is mental conditioning. Now, a lot of us, a lot of us 
need a lot of help <laughs> to keep and maintain and I would say inspire and to cultivate this type of attitude, right? Or I would say this kind of attitudinal atmosphere, okay, uh, of positivity. So by mentally conditioning yourself in a positive way, what do I mean? I mean, yes, listening to positive content, listening to motivation, uh, listening to or watching motivational videos, doing these things daily. And by the way, guys, this is, these are things that I actually do, have done. I've got a course called the Ultimate 21 Day Mental Reset, which is phenomenal for really helping you do this and get into the right type of habits because when you're listening to mental conditioning and listening to uh, motivational videos and things like that, what that's going to do for you, it's going to pre-frame your attitude and your mindset to automatically lean towards the positive energy that I just spoke of that you're going to need to solve a problem. That can-do mindset is what you are really trying to develop here. All right? So that's mental conditioning. You need to prepare. Prepare your mind for the moment. Because trust me, if you don't already know this, there's going to always be problems. Always be problems or challenges, if you will, to solve. And the question will always be, are you ready for it? Are you ready for the challenge? Have you prepped yourself for the challenge? Okay, and literally, I can tell you right now, daily, I have challenges to solve. And in my line of work as a business consultant, it's always something to solve. And it's typically not just the problems that my business may bring to me, but I'm always dealing with a lot of people and a lot of different challenges from different business types, different business models, different industries. Now, I will say what that also does for me, it just makes me much better at what I do. And honestly, when you start seeing things from multiple perspectives, you really start to recognize the similarities and patterns over time. And that makes you even better at what you're doing. And that will also apply even for you too. If you guys stay in your businesses long enough, you start recognizing patterns in the problems that your clients bring to you on a regular basis. And it'll turn you into a guru and an expert in your field if you stay the course because you'll start solving problems like that. In fact, you will know what things are going on that they can't even see. It gives you sort of a, almost like a third eye within your, your business if you stick with it long enough, okay? So that's the third one, which is mental conditioning. You want to prepare for battle before you get to battle, all right? And that's done by constantly keeping yourself around motivational content and pre-framing your mind towards what it's going to take for you to succeed, okay? And overcome the quote-unquote failure. Now, here's the next one, which is number four. Number four, guys, reframing failure. 
I really do think that the way that we go about defining failure itself, beyond the definition, but the way we feel about failure, the way we approach it, the way we actually deal with it, has a lot to do with sort of the constructs, be they social imposed or personally imposed or whatever level it is that it takes for you to define what you would like to call failure. You want to examine that. And what I want you guys to do is to ask yourself some of these questions. How do I look at failure? How do I feel when I fail? Right? Now, once you start to reframe your failure in a way that is healthy, you will start looking at everything differently, especially when it relates to your business. And what I'm going to challenge you to do is to look at failure like this. Failure, when you think about it, for the most part, the way we tend to define it is based off of us not succeeding at something that we wanted to succeed at, right? And success is when you do succeed at whatever it is you're trying to succeed at. Well, I challenge you to look at failure like this. What if we looked at failure as if failure is just simply data? It's nothing more, nothing less than just information. We impose our own feelings. We superimpose our feelings over the data, right? But that's also a choice. And what if we chose to just look at failure for what it really is, which is just information. It's the information that you actually need. It is necessary to know what failure actually looks like so that you can understand how to extrapolate from that data to figure out how to succeed. And if you think about it, you would not know how to succeed if you didn't know how to fail. Because the way I see that is, is that if you're succeeding and you don't know why, you're guessing. It's not a skill. You're getting lucky. <laughs> and luck isn't always duplicatable because sometimes it tends to run out. So you don't want luck. Of course, we can all use a little luck, but you probably would rather have skill and measurable, duplicatable results. And that's what you're going to need to stay in business. Anybody can get lucky and sell something. But can you duplicate the results? Can you get those results over and over again with different clients, different scenarios, different market conditions, different situations? That's skill. And the only way that you're able to do that, guys, is that you need to understand what failure actually looks like. And that's not bad. It's actually, if you think about it, it's just as important to understand what doesn't work as it is to know what does work. We need both of them. Now, of course, no one wants to only fail. 
and you don't have to. And honestly, you probably won't if you stick with the problem long enough with the right attitude, the right mindset, the right framework, the right mental conditioning. You'll solve the problem in time. Okay? Because all those things, if you've got those things in order, what they will lead to is something called innovation. Which is another derivative of creativity. If you think about it, I would like to think it's his cousin. And they borrow sugar from each other. (laughs) So, if failure is just data, it's just information. You just figured out what doesn't work. Kind of reminds me of the whole Edison story. believe he failed like a thousand sometimes. And he said, well, I just found out how many ways it didn't work. That actually has to be one of the most genius things you can do. Okay. Reframing your definition of failure and adding these components that we've discussed so far. Guys, this is going to change the game. Trust me on this. Take it from somebody who failed and didn't make a dime for five years. Now, a lot of people say, well, you should have quit. Maybe. But if I had to quit, I wouldn't be here being able to tell you this right now. Okay? So, let's take this further. So, number five was failure is data. Let's build on the data concept. And go to number six. Use data to influence your decisions. Oh, now it's starting to get really interesting. Because if I take the things that didn't work, right? If I take the things that didn't work and I collect that data and I look at it, I said, okay, well, this is a list of the things that does not work and get me to my goals that I'm trying to achieve. Okay. If I take that and I say, well, okay, let me do some research. If I do some research and figure out what does work, I've got both sides of the coin now. Now, ideally, you would have done that research first. <laughs> but sometimes it's just not how it happens. Sometimes you figure out, you try something, you just know it's going to work, and it doesn't. Okay. And instead of looking at that as a quote-unquote failure, you want to look at that as, okay, now ask the next most (laughs) golden question, which is, why didn't it work? What was my customer thinking that I was not in tune to? That I I was in a misaligned perspective on. I was not aligned with the customer or not aligned with the factors or conditions of the problem. This is critical, guys. Okay? So, asking those questions are huge. But if we go back to the whole idea of looking at this as data, data can be used to now influence the next decision. Now, here's what you want to do to take that even further. Use metrics to calibrate your decisions based off of the data that you're collecting. Case in point, I was just showing my students the other day that were in that workshop I was telling you guys about when I'm teaching them um, about 
the fundamentals of marketing and, you know, how to basically do market research and so forth. And one of the things that I was trying to show them is how I actually go about making decisions for my business. And I was showing them how I don't guess. Now, don't get me wrong. In time, there's some things that you will begin to simply know. You won't need to necessarily look at data for every little single thing. However, sometimes you want to test whether or not your instincts are right or you want to test it to make sure. So what I do is do a survey, ask some questions. Now, with the right types of software, you can take those questions and it'll take and convert that to a report that will show you where your metrics lie within all of the people who actually filled out the form. How many people said yes? As an example, I like green versus I like black. Okay. And if I see that 70% of the folks who took the um, survey said that they like green and then only 30% said that they like black. Okay. Well, what does that tell me? Well, if they like green as opposed to black, then maybe that's the color I should probably go with in terms of the product that I'm trying to basically sell to them. So using that data now, I can't look at this as if I failed. In fact, I'll give you an example. Maybe you thought that the, that the product should be red. <laughs> now you put red, green, and black, and you just knew they were gonna say red, Okay, so now you find out you were wrong. Does that mean you failed? Of course not. Of course not. It just means that you did not <laughs> have the right color in mind because you found out after looking at data, right, provided by your customers that they are in favor of green, not red, not black. Okay, so now you know. So guys, just think about that. Using data, using data to make your decisions, what I love about doing that, honestly, it makes it that much more easier to disassociate myself personally from the outcome. I'm not taking it personal that I got that wrong. I'm sitting there and I'm going, wow, interesting. So what you begin to do, guys, when you just use these types of mindsets and frameworks and tools because data is a tool to go about making your decisions and depersonalizing it right disassociating yourself from a, from a personal level not attaching the outcome you know to your ego and just letting the data tell you okay it makes you have a very scientific approach it's okay to come up with a hypothesis and it's all right to find out that your, your hypothesis was not accurate, wasn't right. Okay, this is what scientists do every single day. And we can learn from them as entrepreneurs in terms of looking at how they approach things. I mean, pay attention to this, guys. You have scientists that will literally work on projects for like sometimes 10, 20, 30 years. Scientists will dedicate their whole lives to solving one problem. How in the hell 
is it that folks can do that in this day and age? Okay, they're not from some mythical time or some time before man where men and women were made difficult and we thought and, you know, felt differently. This is happening now. If they can do that, take a look at that. Take a look at their psychology or what is required of their psychology and what type of emotional intelligence must they have to never look at it as a personal failure to the point that where they actually get depressed and quit. Scientists are very interested in their approaches and how they think. And as entrepreneurs, oh man, we can learn so much from them. And it's so apropos to what we're talking about. How do they go about doing this? Because if you think about it, most of us couldn't stick with what they do for more than a year tops. Some of us less than that. A month, <laughs> a, a week or two, and we failed. And we're like, oh, we throw our hands up. So pay attention to scientists. Look at what they do. Look at how they approach it. You know, look at how they handle when they try stuff and don't work. I'm not saying they don't get frustrated. But to see how often and how long, how consistent they are in terms of their endurance. And honestly, you know, they sometimes don't succeed. You have some scientists that die trying to find a result to something or trying to figure out how to solve a problem. So it all has to do with mindset, folks. All has to do with mindset. So... We stopped at using metrics to calibrate your decisions, which was number seven. Now let's continue. And this one is a big one. I actually learned this from Anthony Robbins. And ever since he said it, it stuck with me. And I've been using it ever since. And that is, you must create winnable terms for success. If you frame your success up in a way that it's literally impossible to get the results that you're trying to basically get, you know, then you're not doing yourself any favors there. Okay. In fact, you're setting yourself up more for failure than you are success because the terms by which you must meet sometimes are so just unrealistic that they're laughable. I'll give you an example for one. This is one of my favorite. Um, you want to make a million dollars. You're giving yourself one year to make a million dollars. Now, and this has happened. I've actually done this with folks before. And, you know, when they ask people, well, how much money would you like to make? And then they'll say a million dollars. And then I'll say, okay. I said, well, why? Why do you want to make a million dollars? And then one, they won't really have a good reason. All say that the reason that they have doesn't tend to go too far beyond because I want to make a million dollars. It'd be great to make a million dollars. Okay, but why a million? Why not two million? Why not 500,000, right? So the next thing I tend to ask them, which is, okay, well, have you made $100,000 yet? They will say no. All right. Well, have you made... $50,000. No, I haven't made $50,000. Have you made $10,000? No, I haven't made ten. Have you made $1,000? Some will say no. How about have you made $100? 
And some will say no. And then what I tend to tell them is, okay, if anyone believes in you that you can make a million dollars, it's me. I am definitely a cup half full person, 100%. I'll be your greatest cheerleader and I will ride and die with you till the end. However, with that said, if you haven't figured out how to make even $10 yet, why don't we take a look at our goals, okay? Reevaluate whether or not the goals that we're setting and giving and placing on ourselves are goals that we can actually win. Given the circumstance of we haven't figured out how to make the first $10. You understand what I'm saying here, guys? So we have to break things down. And I say, hey, why don't we start off making the first goal? Let's make our first $100, okay? Let's figure out what it takes to make our first $100. And that'll be our first milestone. It's not the super objective. It's not the ultimate goal of a million. But we've got to make that first $100 before we make the first thousand and so forth, right? So let's make that the goal first. And most people will understand what I've just said. And they said, okay, I got what you're saying. And so that's a winnable term. Okay. Now what's not winnable is saying, I'm going to make a million. You haven't even made your first hundred and you're two months into the year. So you only got eight months now to go from zero to a million. Is it possible? Of course it is. Is it likely? Eh. <laughs> you know, the mechanics to success are not necessarily complicated. They're typically simple, actually. But that doesn't mean that they're easy. And it also doesn't mean that you will learn them overnight. And this is different for everyone. We've all got our own individual challenges that we have to um, overcome. Typically, as it relates to our character makeups and the type of skill sets and habits that we need to create, you know, and a lot of this will become very apparent when you decide that you want to delve into entrepreneurism. Okay. So that brings us to number nine. Now, number nine is sort of a framework for how I like to go about making sure that for whatever goal I'm looking to hit, that it is a winnable goal, okay? It's a goal set in winnable terms. And here's how I uh, define those winnable terms and the framework that I use. I use something that's common to most people, which are SMART goals, Okay. Now, for those of you who do not know what SMART goals are, I'm going to teach you right now. So SMART, of course, is an acronym. The S is for specific. The M is for measurable. The A is for attainable. The R is for realistic. And the T is for time bound. Now, I'll break this down for you guys. If I'm trying to make a million dollars in one year, 
I'm never just going to say, oh, okay, I want to make a million dollars in this one year. Nope. Now that can be the ultimate goal. But what I like doing is breaking down and making that goal real to myself, right? In order for me to make it real to myself, I need to set things up in winnable terms, right? And chunk it down to figure out, okay, let me reverse engineer as to what is going to be required in order for me to make that million dollars. So first, let's be specific, okay? Now we know it's a million, but let's be specific about when, where, how, what we're going to do. That's where the specificity comes in. Now, measurable. So there are four business quarters in a year, okay? And I'm trying to make a million dollars. So what that tells me is, is that with each quarter of business, which is three months at a time, how much money do I need to be making on average, okay, in order for me to basically make that million dollars? So if it's, you know, four quarters in a year for a business and the goal is a million, so that's breaking down to three months uh, per quarter, right? So how much do I need to make? <laughs> All right. So if we say we have to make uh, $250,000 in one business quarter. So $250,000 breaks down over three months to how much money? Okay. So. So that basically comes to about $83,000 and $300, $83,300 per business quarter. Okay. Now there's some more decimal points in there and all this other stuff, but forget that. Let's just say 83,000, right? That's 83,000. I'm sorry, per month, 83,000 per month, every month, 83, 83, 83. Okay. That's how we're going to get to our 254 quarter. So that means I've got to be making $83,000 every single month to hit that million. So we break that down by quarter. So what we just figured out is what we need to be doing in order for us to actually hit that goal and make that goal a reality, all right? Now, we can go further with this and we would have to because now the question is, well, what business activity will be required in order for me to make $83,000 in the month? How many leads does that actually equate to? Okay. And I've got to take into consideration what my closing ratio is. You know, am I doing this all myself? Do I have the other sales reps or something like that to divide this objective with or over? All those things are how I'm going to make these goals real. And you're going to have to determine, by the way, because you might do what I just said and say, yeah. <laughs> maybe making 83,000 in one month might be a bit much. Um, so maybe I need to reevaluate this goal. Maybe this is not a winnable term given my current circumstances, as in given my current advertising budget or given my current resources that I have. Maybe I need to readjust the goal. See, that's what I love about having a really good strategic approach to setting the goals because it helps you kind of look at what you said you wanted to do and determine whether or not it's actually really doable or not realistically. 
So, we covered um, specific, we covered measurable, okay? Now, is it attainable? Now, that was going to depend. Only you're going to be able to determine if that goal is attainable or not. Maybe $83,000 per month is more than attainable because you're already maybe making 90 per month. Okay, you may need to make some tweaks to what you're doing, but that might actually be doable for you. So is that realistic, which is the next one? We had the R in SMART. Is it realistic? Does it make sense for us to be able to even approach doing this? Because we've got the t staff, we've got the software, we've got the leads, we've got the advertising budget. Yeah, this is realistic. Okay, great. Now we've made it time bound in the sense that we said we're going to break everything down based over one year, breaking it down to quarters, breaking it down to months, breaking it down to weeks and then days based off of business activity. So we just set ourselves up to win. Okay. Now, this brings us guys to number 10, which is failure is the silent hero lying in the shadows of every success. And this is a quote that I created a little while ago. And it really honestly helped me to personally reframe everything. And by the way, guys, I'm going to finish with this by explaining this, this whole little quote to you. Failure is the silent hero hiding in the shadows of every success. And here's why... I say that, you know, if you're running a race and you're racing against other athletes, right? And you cross the finish line, the point that you actually cross that finish line, success is right there to embrace you, right? But if you really honestly think about it, success is only there for a few moments to grab that trophy with you. But it was failure. It was you going around that track and not hitting your time. And failure was the was actually the hero that's showing up every single time to be honest with you. To show you you're not ready yet. You're not pushing hard enough. You're not working out enough because you're not fast enough. That's just the honest to God truth. And that's failure that's showing that and, and revealing that to you. That's not success. So where you really want to place your value is really in failure because anybody can show up and grab you and embrace you once you cross the finish line. But where in the hell were they <laughs> when you were not making it, making your time, when you were not able to even reach the finish line because you were gassed out and it was failure that was basically nudging you along the entire time. You may have hated failure. You may have cursed it out. You may have cried over it. But it was your real hero. And it's the hero that we never give credit to. Your failures is what your success is built upon. You would not know success. It wouldn't even mean anything to you had it not been for your failures. So I leave you guys with that notion to think about and ponder consider. You may disagree. But if you disagree, how does it serve you? Sometimes, guys, you just got to basically set things up 
so that they work for you and not against you. And sometimes the very thing that you're setting up is your own mindset. All right. Well, that's it for today, guys. I hope this was useful for you. I hope that there's something that you can take from this. I tried to drop as many gems as I possibly could. If you guys have any interest in ever working with any of my workshops or taking any of my courses, the information will be in the bottom of the show notes here. If you're listening to this on a podcast, then by all means, guys, please, please, please download, subscribe to the YouTube channel, guys. I need that support to help me keep doing this, okay? So with that said, guys, take care. God bless, and I'm going to see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.